Good morning. If you would, please turn your Bibles uh, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. It would be the passage that we just read. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. So this morning, I'd like to talk about prayer. Um, this topic honestly comes from something Holly and I have been talking about that recently both her and I have, have thought, you know, as a family and even individually, we just feel like we're, we're kind of going through the motions in regards to prayer. You know, at, we'll pray at the dinner table, you know, thank you Lord for the food for this day and, you know, a couple other things. And, and before we go to bed at night, uh, we'll say a prayer then as well. You know, and usually the kids do it. Keegan and Dawson usually do the bulk of the prayer in the Robert's house right now. So that is a positive side of this whole thing, if I can embarrass them right now. Um, so they do really well at that. But I, I just think that, you know, while we're talking, we just feel like, you know, we don't feel we're doing uh, enough. We're, we don't, we're not saying enough prayer in, in our household, basically. And even individually, you know, I guess I, I look at myself and I look at the scripture and I think, you know, I, I'm not... I'm not praying enough to the standard I think that God holds us to. And honestly, the substance of my prayers is not uh, as good as God would want it to be, I think, when I read the scriptures. So that's what's kind of prompted the, this, uh, this message this morning. Um, so when I bring forward this lesson, this is, this is for me as well as for you. This isn't a, hey, you guys are doing this all wrong and I'm doing good. Um, this is an area for an improvement for me as well, and in my family. Um, you know, a couple years ago, uh, this, was, this happened about right after we went, we went out camping. I want to say it was probably three, four years ago. Just as we were leaving, you know, out there at uh, Covert Beach, um, Holly and I were driving separate, and she had just had, like, just before we got in the car to leave. You know, she was getting in the van, I was getting in the car, and... She had had some, some sharp pains, like really bad sharp pains. And so, you know, Holly's pretty tough. You know, like, ah, okay, I'll, I'll get in the car and I'll drive home. It's not a big deal. I'm like, okay, you know, you, you sure? I'll drive. Like, no, 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 I got it. Well, that 45-minute drive home, she felt every single bump in the road. It was that bad. So she tried to tough it out, and I was like, man, we need to go in and get, you know, get, the, you know, get checked out, see what's going on. She's a trooper, man, you know. No, no, I'm going to sleep it off. I'll be okay. And so this was Saturday. And then the next morning, it, it didn't get any better. So I was like, okay, come on, let's just, let's go in. So we go to the emergency room. And, and so they did tests and diagnostics and stuff like that. And unfortunately, we had the, the, the rookie resident. So everybody's got to get the rookie every now and then, right? And they, they had said, here's, here's what you got. Here's what's going on. Here's, all the, here's the list of possibilities. And of course, on that list of possibilities of what that was, the term in there, one of the terms that perked our ears up was cancer. And of course, her and I right off the bat were, that gets your attention when you hear that word about yourself, right? Or about your spouse, you know? And everything starts flowing in your head. What, what could possibly be wrong? You know, the whole thing like, <laughs> really? I mean, you think like, am I gonna die? And then you think about your family, you think, you know, kids left behind and things like that. I mean, you, you think the worst. You can't help but think the worst. Well, and the bad thing is, is you would think 
they'd get us in right the next week. You know, they threw out the word cancer. So we'll probably have an appointment the next week. No, it was a month. So for an entire month, we couldn't get in the doctor's office and they threw the word cancer at us, right? Something's wrong, but that's a side point. Anyways, so obviously, what do you think we started doing when we hear the word cancer and we get home? We started praying. We're scared, right? Because this, this could be life and death. So we started praying. Now, finally, a month later, after, you know, after we've, we've been worried this whole time and what are we going to do? So we actually get to a doctor who's got some experience and he rolls his eyes at the diagnosis, basically. And it's just like, oh, great, you know. He knew that we were worried the whole time, and he said, no, it's going to be this, 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 this. And we were so relieved and thankful. Okay, it wasn't anything. It wasn't cancer or anything like that. They just gave us the worst-case scenario and let us worry about it for a month. But it was something that was actually, relative to the situation, it was something minor. The bad thing out of this is, right after that, what do you think we stopped doing? We stop praying. That leads us to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Specifically, verse 17, and some 18, where he says, uh, Rejoice always, 17, pray without ceasing, 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, a lot of times we, we might glaze over that or we might bring it up like, yep, pray without ceasing. Well, okay, got it. But look at the form of that verse. He's giving us a command there that you need to pray without ceasing. Now, I don't believe that that means I'm praying every single second. But with the examples that we, we see in the scripture... There's a continuous need and there's a continuous command for us to continually be consistently in prayer. This needs to be multiple times a day. Pray without ceasing. Now, I want to back up and just talk about God's commands in general. When God makes a commandment, whose benefit is it for? Is it for his? When God says, hey, you should or should not do something, is it for him? I mean, is it really going to affect God if we sin? It's sunny and 80 degrees and no clouds in the sky in heaven. Sorry to make a symbolic reference. So it's not going to hurt him. Therefore, those things are for our benefit. Listen to Deuteronomy 8, or I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 6, 24. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. So God's commandments are for our benefit. Therefore, prayer being a commandment and praying without ceasing is a benefit to us as well as others around us. And something, something that I noticed while I was studying for this lesson, in verse 18, he says, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Praying without ceasing is also part of the will of God for us. I think that's something we need to remember. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to look at was <clears throat> examples of people praying in the Bible. So why not the ultimate example uh, of Jesus continuously in prayer? And, you know, when I looked this up, I remember seeing, um, yes, I, yes, I do some Google work when I prepare lessons, so good and bad, whatever. 
that I don't know how entirely this accurate this is, but for how many verses that I saw, I see it's somewhat accurate. There's about 30 times in the Gospels, at least 30 verses, that have Jesus going off to pray, if that tells you anything. Now, take into account the fact that we have four accounts, you know, so some of these are going to be verses about the same account. But at the same time, there must be a reason for the fact that we see Jesus multiple times throughout his ministry slipping away to pray, going to pray, as we're going to see here in just a second. So just take that into consideration that at least 30 verses of just Jesus alone slipping away to pray. What does that tell us? All right. So I'm going to start at Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, and when it was evening, he was there alone. Now, just a little side note, he went by himself to pray. Remember, back in Matthew 23, he had warned the Pharisees about praying in public. Not that it was wrong to pray in public, but the fact that they were praying in public to be seen by men. When we're praying, we should not be trying to put on a show. We should not be trying to make a good impression or impress someone. This should be, one, to have a relationship with us and God, as well as to set an example for those around us. But it shouldn't be for, the, it shouldn't be for any of our glorification or gratification. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. It was at that time he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Now, that's an interesting thing right there. I don't think that's telling us, hey, we need to spend all night praying to God. But the fact that our Lord and Savior spent that much time in prayer to God, one, I'm sure he had plenty to pray about, um, but the fact that he dedicated that much time in prayer says something. We may not always have opportunity to do that, but I know there's enough going on in our lives and the lives of our kids and friends and family around us that we could dedicate some time to prayer. You know, praying for people, praying for yourself, praying for strength, even glorifying God in prayer, praising Him and being thankful in prayer. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. I won't read all 30 verses, by the way. In the early morning, while it was dark... Now think about that. In the early morning, so Jesus is... Anytime, early morning, late at night, he's, he's praying to our Father. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Notice, nothing showy. He went to a secluded place. This wasn't public. Luke 5.16, But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Luke 9.18, and it happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he questioned them, saying, Who do people say that I am? Now, he's praying alone, but also the disciples being near. It doesn't say this necessarily, but is he setting an example by doing this so that the apostles could see? I think he may be. Well, and it was enough that they noticed it, if we go to Luke 11, 1, he prayed so much and so often that I think his disciples took notice and that prompted them to ask him questions. So Luke 11, verse 1. His disciples asked him, teach us to pray. He says, now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, 
Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. You know, this, this tells me his disciples, they, they saw him pray so often that they finally inquired and said, hey, well, teach us, teach us to pray. They're following his example, all right? And, I, and this makes me think about, well, at home. Yeah, we, you know, we, we pray at night before we go to bed. We pray before a meal, and those things are good. Don't stop doing those things. We're not saying those things are bad. But do your kids or does your spouse or the people around you, do they see you in prayer? I know that, I mean, usually if I do that, it's early in the morning, my kids might be sleeping, or late at night, and my kids might be sleeping. But are there times that maybe I should be in prayer, you know, to set the example for my kids? Yeah. And also, not to mention, in some of your prayers, I don't think it's a bad thing. In fact, I think it's a good thing because you're mentoring them in prayer. You know, these guys ask, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. Well, what would be wrong if we prayed in front of our kids so that they could learn what to pray for and they could learn how to pray. You get what I'm saying? So I think it's a good thing if, if our kids hear us pray and see us pray. You know, I've noticed um, while I was kind of preparing for this lesson, if you go throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know, all the great leaders of the scriptures... What's something that they were all doing? And we don't, I don't think we don't, we don't think about this that much. Jesus obviously was praying a whole lot. Well, who else? And we'll look at a, little, a couple of examples later. Um, David, I mean, the Psalms are basically songs, but a lot of those, you can tell those are prayer. The Psalms, David and the psalmist, Solomon, Moses, um, the apostles, if you go through the book of Acts, you know, Peter would slip away to pray. Paul would slip away to pray. Um, the prophets, major and minor prophets, they would all go to God in prayer. All the leaders of the scripture were consistent in prayer. Think about Daniel. What would he do even, under, even in duress, even when he knew that he'd be in trouble with the government by continuously praying every day? What did he do? I believe it was three times he would open up his window towards Jerusalem and pray three times, even though he was going to get arrested for it. Tell me, and, and they knew that he was so consistent with his prayer day to day that they, they knew that they would set him up so that he would, he would basically disobey the law. That's how much of an example he set. That's how consistent he was in prayer. Again, what's, what's that say to us? What should we be praying for? You know, one of the first things I think of when, um, when I think of what we should be praying for is forgiveness of sins. You know, I look, up, I look at First uh, John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, our sin, and we talked about in Bible class this morning, our sins separate us from God. So, man, I want those sins out of the way because I don't want to be separated from God. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to give God the opportunity to keep me out of heaven, you know? It'd be my fault. So the first thing I think we should be praying for, and really to teach those around us that we should be praying for, is forgiveness of sins, you know, those who are Christians. We want those out, we want those out of the way first and foremost. Um, David was a good example of that. Uh, Psalm 51 is probably the most vivid example of, of David 
going to God in prayer basically for forgiveness of sins, and you can you can tell the the um, the repentance and as well as the confession in in these passages here in Psalm fifty one. Starting at verse 1, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, which is sin, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. You can see that even though this psalm, this is turned into a song, tell me this is not a prayer initially to God, uh, a prayer of uh, looking for forgiveness and repentance. The next thing I think we need to, we need to be praying for is wisdom and knowledge. Um, and with this wisdom and knowledge will come strength to live a godly life daily, I believe. I look at 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7 through 10. Solomon's just become king. His father David has passed away. And now he's taken over the kingdom at a young age. So at this point, he recognizes that. So you can see the maturity of Solomon to even recognize this. And he says, uh, he's basically talking to God, and he says, and God says to him, and, or no, he says to God, and now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. Later on, he says in, in the following verses, God was pleased that Solomon said, hey, give me wisdom. And God would, was pleased that he didn't say, well, tell you what, I'd like a boat, a car, a big kingdom, a pool. He didn't ask for a bunch of stuff. He asked for, hey, I need to be fit to govern. I need to be fit to lead. So I need wisdom and knowledge to do that. So God was pleased with that. So what God did anyways was said, hey, he said, hey, I'm going to give you what you asked for, wisdom and knowledge. And at the same time, I'm going to give you what you did not ask for. Basically, he allowed him to have possessions and he was going to, he was going to be very wealthy. Now, as a side note, and this is going to, there's going to be another verse to go along with this. Um, James 4.3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Um, <laughs> don't ask for wisdom and think like, if I ask for wisdom, I'll get money. That's not the way it's necessarily going to work because God can see our intentions. So if we ask for wisdom and knowledge in good intention, I believe God will provide it. James 1.5, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. So if you genuinely ask for wisdom and you're seeking after God, uh, God will provide that to you. Number three, as far as reasons like why we need to be, or, you know, what we need to be praying for, um, for others' benefit. And I, think, I couldn't help but think of Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 and 45, where he says, where Jesus is speaking to the multitudes and he says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you 
so that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain <clears throat> on the just and on the unjust. You know, and I, I look at this passage and I look back, and I, I remember being a really young Christian. I remember being 18 years old. And I remember the people who, who just gave me a ton of flack for me being a Christian. You know, I remember getting, you know, I, I was made fun of for being a Christian. And, you know, I look back on it and it's not a big deal now, but it was a big deal back then. I, and I remember this scripture. I remember praying for these individuals. You know, one thing it, that it did for me is I became a stronger individual because instead of having, harboring hatred in my heart, I was actually praying for these individuals. I became a stronger Christian through doing that. All right. Um, and also, I mean, really the prayer is, is that they would, they would come to know Christ. They would surrender their lives to Christ and, and be a part of the church one day. I mean, really that's the goal of praying for them. So, but that was just kind of a side benefit, I thought, of praying for someone who's not good to you. You know, because even Jesus said in, that pas uh, in the previous passage, or I mean, sorry, the passage after that, he said, he said, you know, basically, what good is it if you pray for someone you like? Doesn't everybody do that? Or if you do good things to people who are good to you, who cares? Everybody does that. But praying for your enemies and the people who don't like you, I mean, that's the will of God that he's asking you to do. That's a benefit to them and to you. For your benefit, a reason for prayer. 1 Peter 5, 7 he says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You know, God can handle any care or anxiety that you could throw his way. Any thought, any drawback, any sin or anything, you know you can lay that at the feet of God. And come to think about it, you ain't going to hide nothing from God anyways, so you might as well tell him. There's no... There, any deep, dark secret you think you can hide from him, you can't do it. So you might as well tell him. And honestly, laying those anxieties at the feet of God is going to be to your benefit to get those things off your shoulders. You know, I know we all, we all carry this bag in life, and it's full of rocks. And really, it's, it's up to you if you want to walk with a heavier bag or you want to walk with a lighter one. You know, and God is giving you the opportunity to basically drop that garbage at his feet so you don't have to carry such a heavy load. So cast your cares on him. Another reason, give thanks and to be thankful. I struggle with this one, not going to lie. I struggle with this one. You know, Colossians 3.16 talks about, and 17 basically talks about being thankful to God. You know, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, you know, and, and uh, I don't have it in my notes, so I can't quote the whole thing. <laughs> But basically, you want to give thanks to God the Father through Him, through Christ Jesus. Um, be thankful for what we have. You know, back to 1 Thessalonians 5.18, he talks about uh, being thankful in all circumstances. I'm not going to lie, that's something i got to work on too, but God commands that of me. For everything else, I couldn't list every, every single benefit of prayer in this, but I can't help but think about the Psalms. There is so much info in the Psalms. If you ever want to just get an idea of the relationship you should have with God in regards to your prayer, 
I think the Psalms is a very good place to start because David left everything on the table. There was no mistaking what was going on in David's mind because he wore his heart on his sleeve and he told it to God. And I think that's one of the reasons why God had labeled him as a man after his own heart. David told every single thing to God when he was angry, when he was distraught, when he was stressed, when he was happy, when he would praise God, when he succeeded, when he failed, um, when his nation was, when his nation or his friends or, or whoever around him were, were against him. Um, he prayed about every single thing. And I think that's a great example for us to, to pattern our prayers after. And what, a, what a good relationship we can have with God in that area to just to be that open with him. And I see that as a huge benefit. So I encourage everybody to, to basically read the Psalms and hopefully grasp that from reading the Psalms, a way to communicate with God better. You know, if you're holding anything back, lay it at his feet. So really, to, to sum this whole thing up, I'll just simplify it like this. We basically, we need to be praying more often and about more things for our benefit and for the people around us. And I think of my, I think of my kids when I think about the people around me. So, but with every gospel message, I gotta, I gotta end with this. We gotta have the presentation of the gospel of Christ and the plan of salvation. So here it is. You gotta hear the good news which is Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross as the sacrifice for our sins, and he was resurrected from the dead so that we could have the hope of eternal life through him. That's the good news. So in order to receive eternal life through him, we have to believe that very thing and that he is God's son sent to die for our sins. With that, we've got to repent and change from our past sins Take a completely different, uh, different, uh, different path. Turn away from an old, uh, an old man. Put on the new. Live a new life. And we got to confess his name before ma mankind. That that I would say Jesus Christ is my Savior in front of my, in front of mankind. And then finally, we need to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins to wash away our sins. And then we can be raised to walk in newness of life. That's how we put on Christ. That's how we become right with God. And that's how we start on our path to heaven. So this morning, if you need help uh, putting on Christ in baptism uh, and finally becoming uh, one, uh, becoming added to the church, we could assist you with that this morning. And if anybody needs prayer, the prayers of the church to help with anything for any need, we're here to assist you as together we stand and sing.